Amen. You guys can have a seat. This is uh, week six of a series called This is the Gospel. And uh, we've been journeying through the book of Mark verse by verse, quite literally, uh, because this is week six. And uh, this is our final week in chapter one. <laughs> so uh, just so you know, we, we, we will get out of chapter one uh, starting next week. We'll, we'll pick up the pace a little bit. But there's just so much here as we are diving into the, the book of Mark. And uh, so I actually just want to read uh, our verses for today. And then we're going to kind of come back and we're going to break things down a little bit. But I believe there's power as we look at the full context of the scripture passage that we have so if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open up to Mark chapter 1. And if not, it'll be on the screen. And we're going to be starting in verse 40. And it says, And a leper came to him, Jesus, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Now what I, I like about that already is that it's declarative. It's not a question of, of God's power. It's a question of, are, are you willing I believe that you can, but he's sitting here and he's appealing to the heart of Jesus and he's trusting in his power. Verse 41, it says, Jesus was moved with pity. Some transcripts actually say that he was moved with righteous anger. That as he looked at what this man was going through, it made him angry. And he stretched out his hand and he touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer your cleansing what Moses commanded. This is a, a throwback to Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, when, when, when God the Father was commanding the Israelites of how to respond to different things. And, and the law here was actually meant to protect the people, not to confine the people. Some of us, we think that the law was just there to, to make life no fun, but actually God was trying to protect his people. And so even when they were healed or cleansed of leprosy, there was a certain protocol that they had to go through that they would take two birds and then they would kill the one and they would sprinkle the blood on the other. And it was this whole symbolism here in Leviticus chapter 14. But there was a process of cleansing. So Jesus tells this man to go back to the temple, go to the priests for a proof to them. But verse 45, it says, but he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news. Now, just if you're with me right here, did the dude listen? No, he did not. So that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. I want to talk to you from a title today, but I want you to look at, at, at your favorite neighbor, and I want you to tell it to him. Can, 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 are you guys ready? Say, call me clean. Some of you this morning, I hope you bathed in the last like 24 hours. If not, maybe, maybe just go ahead and put that disclaimer out there. Uh, you, th we have an extra seat probably to your left or your right in case you need a little bit more space. But I want to talk to you from the title of Call Me Clean. I remember a, a few years back when Amanda and I, we were getting ready to, uh, to buy our house that we're in now. 
there was all this back and forth. If you guys have bought a house before, you know, there's like phone calls and there's people that you're going, you know, this broker and then now your mortgage company and then now you're going through your bank and all this kind of stuff. And, and I remember one, one uh, Monday, Amanda was at work and I had the kids and I got this call and I knew it was coming from the bank. And they needed some documents for me. And so I, I ran downstairs and, and the kids were watching like Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and I think we're all good to go. And, and so I run downstairs and I'm trying to find the documents and stuff and getting the, the, the guy the information that he needed to make sure that we weren't gonna like all of a sudden we have a 38% interest rate, you know, because I screwed something up, right? And, and so we're going through this whole process and I actually, uh, I come upstairs and as I'm coming up the steps, I just hear Emma going, oh no, oh no. And it, that's not a good sign, right? Not a good sign. And, and so I'm coming up the steps and I, I look over and Noah at the time, he was, I, I don't know, maybe a year and a half, you know, almost two years old. And, and he had somehow pulled a chair over to the pantry, opened the pantry door, climbed up on the top shelf and opened what, what could only have been a gallon-sized container of peanut butter. And, and so now here we are, Noah, Barely has any hair on his head as it is. He is caked in peanut butter. In fact, I actually brought a picture for you this morning that you can see that he is literally just coated in peanut butter. And if you know anything about peanut butter, um, you can't just like rinse it off. This was like a week of like scrubbing and trying to get the oil and, and all that grease of the peanut butter off of his head. I think we lo like he lost all the hair that he had left. And my favorite part of this picture is you see the dog in the background? Normally the dog is like any food is nearby, the dog is there. But like Jack is looking at Noah like, bro, you really messed up this time. He's like, I'm not even going for that. And what's funny is like we were bathing him, we were doing all this kind of stuff and it took so much time and we can look at this picture and it's a really funny picture of what can happen when you leave a child alone for a few minutes with some peanut butter. But what I really want to say in telling this story this morning is, is some of you can look at that, but that's what you feel like on the inside. That you, you, you just feel like there's some things going on in your life that you just feel like you are caked and, and it's, it's, it's hard as you scrub, as much different types of soap you use, and no matter what system you're trying, you just can't feel clean. And there's a reason for that. You cannot cleanse yourself. And, and as I read this story this week and I was trying to sympathize and put myself in the perspective of this man, this leprous man, and the closest I could get, maybe, maybe some of you, like you, you've, you've gone through this, like we had this whole uh, quarantine thing. You guys remember COVID? That happened, right? And I remember, Amanda and I, we got COVID real bad. Uh, uh, and there was like a whole stretch of September of 2021, I think it was, right? That like we just, we, there was no civilization outside of us just surviving the day. And, and, and my in-laws would come over and it's like waving at them from the back porch and they're like 50 feet away and this whole, this whole thing. And I, like that's the closest that I can get. But you see, leprosy in this day and age, it was, it was actually much worse than that. Because actually, if, if, if you were uh, someone who caught leprosy, it was this disease, what, what is now known as Hansen's disease, which is very rare because of the, the different types of, of medicine and, 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 and all that that we have. But in this day and age, what would happen is this mycobacterium, it would, it would begin to cause these nodules to pop up all over the skin. And they become itchy at first, but then what would happen is they begin to get in at the nerves. And that's, this bacteria would actually begin to wipe away all the feeling of the nerves. So these people now, they're covered in these spots, these nodules, these, these, these big spots all over them. 
but they begin to lose feeling and sensation. So many times what would happen is, is they would hurt themselves and not even know. They would, they would scratch themselves on a tree or a rock, and, and next thing you know, they're losing their fingertips, and, and they'd be scratching off the tips of their nose, and, and maybe they would lose some limbs. And so you can actually start to get this picture. This is not just a guy with a pimple that has to stay outside for picture day. No, this is a serious, serious disease. So this man, stranded on the outskirts of town, and he's here, and he's probably feeling like there's no hope for him. And it's this nasty disease that not only is he struggling physically, but he's actually stuck in isolation. There's this whole rule that they had of, of how close you could get, whether it was upwind or downwind, right? It's like when somebody passes gas. It's like, are you upwind or downwind, right? Like, you can get within five feet if you're, if you're upwind, but, but downwind, you got to go like 100 feet. And so there was all these rules and laws that were in place. So this man is sitting here for years and years, most likely. But he gets to this point of desperation that he hears there is a man named Jesus who has come, and he has the power to heal. And so he's not, he's not risking it. He's not taking any chances. He's like, I'm going to go to this man, and I'm going to bow down at his feet and ask for cleansing. Ask for him to heal me. And what happens is this. I want you to write this down. Jesus shows compassion. Jesus shows compassion. What does it say in Mark 1, 41? It says that Jesus was moved with pity and he stretched out his hand and he touched him and he said to him, I will be clean. And it is at this moment that, that, that we begin to get the picture of who Jesus really is. In Hebrews chapter 4, and 15 and 16, it says, Therefore, we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with us in our weakness, that he actually cares and he's compassionate, that he looks at us and he can understand. He has a heart that is, he, he cares about you. And I think it's interesting that the language in the original text it, it just, it's just dripped all over that Jesus was moved with compassion and his compassion caused him to act. I also love, if, if you really want to nerd out in the, the original texts, there's something called an aorinic uh, participle that basically implies that the way that these two verbs in this sentence work together, they, they, they were kind of coinciding. It wasn't one after the other. And then it was as Jesus, he spoke and he said, be clean as he stretched out his hand. So the man was made clean by his words, but he was made whole by his touch. It was the healing and the cleansing that came with the words of Jesus. But Jesus didn't want to just stop there and say, be clean, now go. He reached out his hand and he touched this man probably for the first time in years. This man felt the touch of another human being that he felt cared for and loved. And I just want to say this morning that that is the exact same touch that is extended to you and I. That Jesus shows compassion for the man, but he also shows compassion for you. We talked earlier in the service that some of you are probably going through some real hard stuff. And I just want you to know that Jesus cares. That God sees you in your hurt. 
that God sympathizes with you when you are there with your tears all by yourself. Just know that God is with you when you're wondering, how did life end up this way? I just want you to know that Jesus has compassion for you. But what good is compassion without power? And we don't just serve a God who is compassionate and has no power to do anything about it. No, we actually serve a God who is able more than able to do all that we could ask or imagine according to his power within us. And so the next point I want you to write down is this, that Jesus cleanses fully. That as we look at this passage in, in verse 41 and 42, it says he was moved with pity, right? His heart, his, his heart was in sync with this man. He stretched out his hand. He touched them and said to him, I will be clean. And what happens? And immediately the leprosy left him. And he was made clean. I love the language of this too. There's so many other things in the Bible, even in chapter one that we can look at where there's, there's a sickness or an illness or, or, or some sort of infirmity where it says that Jesus spoke and he healed them. But this isn't just that Jesus healed him, it's that he made him clean. It wasn't that the outward sign of the sickness was, was gone and dissipated. It was the very root of what caused the sickness that was cleansed and wiped away. Jesus cleanses fully. And this is not just a picture for us to understand that, that, that Jesus healed a man 2,000 years ago that was struggling. This is a picture for us today of what the sin that, that it has crept into our heart again and again and again that Jesus can cleanse and forgive you fully. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, it says that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is such a beautiful moment where the other priests, if, if they began to, to reach out, they, they would touch this man and they would have to go through the protocol but you want to know something? Jesus can't be contaminated. He can only purify. Some of you in this place, you kind of put your church clothes on today. You put your church face on and you come in here. But last night, or Friday night, you were struggling with that guilt or shame or condemnation from the things that you've done or the things that you can't overcome or the things that, that keep getting you trapped in your sin and your unrighteousness. And I want you to know that Jesus cleanses fully. He has wiped it away as white as snow. His blood covers your sin. His blood covers your unrighteousness. His blood makes you whole. Jesus cleanses fully, and he cannot be contaminated by touching you. You aren't too dirty, too messed up, too broken. The touch of Jesus cannot be contaminated. It can only purify, make you clean. The third thing that we see from this passage of Scripture is this. Jesus trades places. Jesus trades places. How many of you guys, you guys ever watched the show Trading, Trading Spaces? Is that what it's called, I think? 
This is like the, all the rage in like the early 2000s, right? And, and basically the premise of the, the show is that two neighbors who wanted to redo a room in their house, they would, they would each like take three days off of work and they would go and they would work in the other spot and they would do all this and they had these designers come in. I was watching uh, some reels. Uh, it's the first time I ever got on Instagram, I, pr- I promise. But I was watching some reels like last week and all of a sudden I saw this, this like old trading spaces clip come up where this designer, like basically they, they would trade places and they'd have no idea what's happening in their own house. And, and this one lady, she was like, I just hate the color brown. I just hate brown. Brown's my least favorite color. I don't want anything brown. I love my fireplace. Like don't touch my fireplace. So she, they're doing this big reveal, right? And, and they, they open it up and they're, they're standing there and, and she opens her eyes and they painted literally everything in the room brown. And they redid the fireplace that she loved, right? So all of a sudden, the husband, he starts chuckling, and the wife starts crying, right? Like, this is, this is bad. Like, you, you, you traded spots, and you're getting in, and it was like, okay, I'm not happy that we traded spots. That is the complete opposite picture of what we are talking about here, that when Jesus trades places with you and I, it is not that we get swapped out for something that's junk, something that's, that, that's, that's fallen apart, something that we don't like, something that's ugly. No, we get to walk in the holiness of God because of what Jesus did, that he took our place. Somebody's awake this morning. In Mark 1.45, it says that... Uh, after Jesus had healed the man. And what did he tell them? He, he, he told them, hey, don't see to, you don't say a thing. There's actually, again, in the original language, it, it actually implies a direct command, like, like almost a, the firmest of commands that Jesus could give this man without like yelling at him, see that you say nothing to anybody. We were having a, a discipleship group yesterday morning and somebody was like, hey, why, why did that happen? There's this whole uh, uh, principle in, in the Gospels uh, uh, called the Messianic secrecy. That basically Jesus, who is God, knew who he was from the whole time, right? But, but think about even Jesus' life from, from the time that he was zero to the time that he was 30 years old. He just lived a normal average life, right? And even as he began his ministry, he knew that there was a timing for everything. And, and so there's, there's certain things that he didn't want to get out, out of order, because he knew that at this point, if, if too many of the religious leaders start hearing that he's claiming to be the Messiah, that he's claiming to be the Son of God, that they're going to begin to come against him and he's not going to be able to fulfill his ministry. And it's the very thing that we see happens here. It says that the man, he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news. How many of y'all know somebody just like that? It's like, hey, I got a secret. Don't tell anybody. Next thing you know, it's like on their Facebook wall. Like, what happened? But it says this, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. Now, I want you to, to, to look at this again. Where was the man before he came to Jesus and Jesus healed him? He was stuck in the outskirts of town in desolate places. Now, where is the man after Jesus heals him? marching through Main Street, proclaiming what Jesus had done. Look at the picture. Through the work of Jesus, he took the place of the man that was stuck out in desolation and loneliness, broken, hopeless, without a sense of hope. 
And he took that spot so that the man could go live a full, free life. Jesus trades places. 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is not good math. How does that compute? How does that work out? It's that Jesus, who was perfect and holy, looked at some people like us, some people who are messed up, right? We are, we are sinners. We've fallen short. We aren't clean. There's no way that we, we've earned this. We aren't righteous. That's the last word that I would use to describe myself in and of my own flesh. But it says that he took our sin and he nailed it to that cross that we deserve, the death that we deserve. Jesus trades places and it is only for our good. So hear me today. Jesus took your place. Jesus took your place. Jesus took your guilt. He bore your shame. The conviction that should have belonged to you and I, he took it on himself. This is the gospel. This is the gospel that we deserve death, life completely apart from God. Eternal separation from him, but Jesus took our place. And what I, I think is so uh, applicable to us this morning is the man who is desperate for Jesus to move, bowed at his feet and declared, Jesus, I, I know you're able. I know you can. I know you have the power. Would you please just heal me? If you're willing, would you heal me? And what happens is as he gets his healing, he goes off and he ignores the word of God. He became apathetic to the king. Does that sound like us at all? I heard one pastor say it this, this way, um, that the longer you've been out of the ditch, the less you can sympathize with the one who's stuck in it. Some of us, we've, we've, we've heard this again and again and again. And I'm sorry if, if you're sitting here thinking like, didn't you just preach this? Yes, and I will always preach this. I will always declare that the gospel is the central theme of Christianity. That Jesus took our place so that we could be forgiven, made whole, made clean. So we don't have to walk in that filth anymore. We don't have to walk in that dirt anymore. We don't have to walk in that corruption anymore. We don't have to walk in that shame. We don't have to walk in that condemnation. We can walk in the freedom that Jesus has earned for us, the, Jesus, the, the, the freedom that Jesus rightfully deserved for himself. But instead, he took that. He took that place. So the application today is, is this. There's a lot of us that we can recite all the different verses of the Bible. We, we, we know all the cliches about forgiveness, but we haven't fully received it. 
I just want to ask you this morning, are you walking in guilt and shame and condemnation? Are you walking tied to the sin that, that, that so easily entangles? No, are, are you walking in freedom? Are you walking in the work that Jesus has done for you? I, I shared this with our group yesterday. It'd be like, um, like Luke, if, uh, if tomorrow morning Angelica gets up extra early, right, because she's just feeling it, and, and she gets up so early that she makes you like bacon and eggs and biscuits and, and, and whatever else. She slices up some fruit real nice and, and orange juice. She like hand squeezes some orange juice. Wouldn't that be nice? Like, right? And she does all this and she sets it out on the table and it's all presented nicely and, and everything's all good. And then you came in and you, you stole a Pop-Tart from the, the pantry and said, all right, see you later. Angelica? How would you feel? <laughs> Bothered. <laughs> Understatement of the century, right? Can I tell you something? Jesus did so much more than a good breakfast. He paid the ultimate price. And the thing that, that hurts is that there's so many of us we don't fully receive it. Jesus didn't die so that you could stay where you are. Jesus didn't die so that you would stay just under the weight of guilt and shame. Jesus didn't die so that you would just keep abusing his grace and walking in sin. Jesus didn't die so that you would be looking just like everybody else in the world around you. Jesus died so that you could be free, made whole, and clean. So there's four steps this morning that I, I want to talk about of how to be forgiven. The first step to forgiveness is conviction. Like, Chris, that doesn't sound right. Did, did, didn't you just say that we, we, we shouldn't live in condemnation? Yeah, there's a difference. You, you see, conviction calls you to be better. Guilt tells you you never will be. See, conviction is the Holy Spirit that is alive and active in you. That, that, what's the first name? Holy. <laughs> Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes into contact with the sin and the filth that you bring into your life, there's going to be some rubbing going on inside of you. There's going to be some conviction that is happening. But it's not telling you you can't ever earn it. It's not telling you you can't ever get there. It's not telling you you can't ever overcome. It's telling you, hey, you can. There's power. Now do it. The first step to forgiveness is conviction. And so many times what we do is the first sign of conviction, we run away. The second step to forgiveness is repentance. Repentance. And repentance isn't just a happy thought of, okay, I won't do that anymore. Repentance is an about face. And I'm not even going to face, I'm not, I'm not even going that direction anymore. I'm not even going to face that direction anymore. The things that caused me to stumble into that, I'm not even going to associate with them anymore. I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to be hanging in the same ballpark that, that I was in before. No, I, I'm repenting. I'm turning my back from that. Whatever was, was keeping me down, whatever was keeping me from walking in righteousness, I'm going to completely turn my back on it. 
they have to repent. And I think there's some things this morning that, that God is gonna actually place on your heart and maybe he's already doing it now that you need to repent of. And I know that's not the word that's gonna build churches in 2023. It may not gather crowds and all of that, but you know what, I'm not here to build a crowd. I'm here because I feel like God's told us to build an army. And sometimes in building an army, you gotta go through the tough stuff, right? You gotta do the boot camp. And I'm telling you, there's some things right now in your life that you've gotta repent from. You gotta turn away from. You gotta stop doing it. You gotta stop looking at it. You gotta stop saying it. You gotta, start, you gotta stop thinking it. You gotta turn away from it. Men, there's some times that you just need to turn off the phone and stop looking at that. Stop scrolling at that. What is it that God's calling you to repent of? You cannot receive forgiveness for something you won't acknowledge is wrong. The third step in receiving forgiveness is receiving forgiveness. <laughs> you, have to, you have to be convicted that what you did was wrong. You have to turn away and, and acknowledge that you're not gonna do it again. And here's the thing. God knows we're not perfect. He doesn't call us to be perfect. Can I actually get that in you? He doesn't, he doesn't call us to be perfect. There's only one. His name is Jesus. Scripture says, who is worthy? Who is righteous? No, not one other than Jesus. But he does want us to actually make some changes in our life to become more holy, to become more like him. And it's, this, it's that, that crazy thing that, that forgiveness has just been sitting here at the altar for some of you for so long, and you won't get up out of your seat to go down and receive it. Forgiveness is, has, has been that thing that's been, that's been sitting there for, for, for years and years and years and, and instead of going and receiving it and opening it and walking in it, what you're doing is you're just playing in your mind again and again and again the times that you failed. The areas that you came up short. The areas that you don't feel worthy. You have to receive the gift of forgiveness. And the fourth step is this. How to be forgiven Live forgiven. Don't come back and pick it up again. You can't carry that weight and you weren't meant to. Even this week, I was reminded there's been so many times in my life where, uh, just to let you in, I mess up. There's been different areas of my life that over uh, my journey in following Jesus that I've had to, I, I've had to face the music. And I've had to, to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit convicting me and calling me to be more like him. And, and I, I've had to repent and I've, I, I've had to, to turn and change behavior. And I've actually had to receive the forgiveness in. I remember when, uh, when I was in, in college, my, my first year of college, I was at Montco, and I was, you know, just paying everything as I went. I was working a part-time job, a uh, very lucrative uh, career as a janitor at a church, and uh, I also had a, a, 
a part-time job at, at Old Navy, and I'm trying to fit all this in with doing some music and all this kind of stuff. And, and uh, I remember my second semester, I, uh, I had all my money to pay, you know, for, for my semester. And, and what I did was I did not pay for my, <laughs> my semester, and I went and bought a computer instead uh, for my music. And, uh, and so then I thought, you know what? These people sent me this credit card offer in the mail, um, this is a gr- this is a win win, right? And, and so I remember I took this like super ridiculous. It was like a five thousand percent interest rate, right? Like this super stupid credit card that I opened up, and I, I started putting stuff on there. And and then next thing you know, like I made the first deposit, but by the time I, I had to get to the second deposit, I'm sitting here and it's two days ahead, and I, I've got like a credit card bill that's due. I've got, you know, a $1,500 deposit that I can't pay for. I owe my brother money for something at this time. And I'm just sitting here thinking like, man, I'm in trouble. <laughs> and the, the last thing that I wanted to do, can anybody guess the last thing that I wanted to do? I did not want to tell my dad. <laughs> but I did. And I remember that, like, you, you ever, like, go to your parents and you're just kind of like, hi, dad, you know, like, and... You just don't even know, like, how to stand anymore. You're just like, like, I just, like, so awkward of, like, how do I, you know, like, all of a sudden my head's itchy. Like, I don't, I, like, Dad, um, (coughs) oh, I think there's a cough coming on. Like, I just couldn't get it out. And and finally my dad looks at me, and he knows me well enough, and he just says, what's wrong? And uh, I just remember looking at it. I was like, so, I spent all my money. And I don't have enough money to pay for my college. And uh, he just looks at me, and he's, you know, he's asking all these questions and stuff like that. And, and, and finally, what, what happens is he says, you know what, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. It's going to mess us up a little bit. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll get it paid. And, and he's like, but you're going to owe me. And so for the longest, there was like a three-month period where it's like, now I, got, I owe my brother money. I owe my dad money and all this kind of stuff. And I just kind of felt that weight. You ever feel that weight of like you owe people money? And all of a sudden one day my dad, he, he, uh, he calls me to the living room and he sits me down. And he says, hey, uh, I just want you to know I talked with your brother. Uh, I talked with your mom. And uh, we're even. We're even. And I, I just remember in that moment just like this weight. It just felt like this weight had been lifted off of my shoulders. Over $1,500. And so from then on, I'm like, Dad, you're the, you're the best dad ever. You're the greatest. Golly gee, Dad, do I ever tell you, do you want me to wash your car? Like, can I, you know, like, it was just like everything. And it was just like this moment where it was like causing me now to recognize the goodness of my God or the goodness of my dad. And I just wanted you to know that you've been forgiven such a better debt than that. And that should cause you to acknowledge the goodness of God, the greatness of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, that that weight can be lifted off your shoulders right now, that you just have to lay it down at the feet of Jesus and say, yes, you have forgiven me. You have cleansed me. I turn my back from it. I don't want to live this way anymore. I don't want to walk this way anymore. I don't want to think this way anymore. I want to be clean. Call me clean, Jesus. And he says, I will be clean. I will be clean. And so if that's you this morning, I just want you to just declare this. I say, I am forgiven completely. No more walking in that shame. No more walking in that guilt. No more walking in that condemnation. Jesus, you have paid the price for me. And because you have, I will receive it.
and I will live in it, and I will walk in it, and I will be a living picture of what it looks like to be forgiven by you. And you know what? Here's the good news. This man who was leprous, he was healed, and Jesus said, shh, don't say a thing. But you and I, God has given us the opposite charge. You've been healed. You've been cleansed. You've been forgiven. You've been redeemed. You've been given hope and peace and joy. And tell the whole world about it. Go do something about it. Praise my name. Exalt my name. Live for me. Live free. You are clean. Psalm 103 says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and some of which is in thee. No, it says all, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and what? Forget not all his benefits. Some of y'all just thought that came with a full-time job. No, it comes with a relationship with God that he's got some benefits for you. And it's called uh, grace and mercy and forgiveness and peace and hope and purpose in your life. And it says this, he, he forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. He satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Bless the Lord. Is there anybody in this place that says, yes, I was messed up. I'm, I messed up again and again. I was broken. I thought I was beyond repair. But Jesus came and he restored me. He forgave me. He gave me a hope and a future. He spoke a better word over my life. And so you know what? Now I just got to shout his praise today. I gotta bless his name. Oh my soul, I can't keep it inside. There's like three of you that actually believe that in this, this room. Can I just be real? I know some of you clapped. But I, I think there's some of you that, that, that you, you clapped on the outside, but the inside, you're like, you know what? I just don't know. Does he, does he know about that? Does he know about this? What about the time when? What, what, what about this thought? You're forgiven. You want your mistakes? You want your failures? You aren't identified by the blemishes. You're identified by the blood. And he cares for you, and he's compassionate, and he cleanses fully. And some of you this morning, you need to remind yourself of the grace and mercy of God. That when you call the name of hello, God, what I love about it is that. Uh, When Jesus touched him, it was immediate. Can I tell you something? Forgiveness, it's like that. Holiness, that's a, that's a process. Sanctification, that's, that's a process. 
But I want you to know this morning, you can be forgiven by calling on the name of Jesus, by bowing down and saying, I don't have to question if you will, because you already did, that I will be clean. You know what you do with clean things? We're having some people over tonight, right? So, you know, you, you kind of clean the house, you clean the one room. You keep the filthy things away from it. Like, are you, you, Noah, Emma, go play in the garage, right? There's a wrench out there. You can do something. But when you're clean, or, you know, you get those fresh sneakers on and, and they're, they're like all, all crisp. And for like the, fir the first three weeks, you're like walking like on the, the clear sidewalk and, and, and you're, you're stepping around every puddle and all this kind of stuff. Can, can I tell you something? That once you were made clean, you should flee from the filth, run from the dirt. Some of you, the, the reason that you feel like you can't be forgiven is because you keep running back. You keep falling back into the same pit again and again and again. And, and God is just telling you today, the Holy Spirit is just convicting you today, run away from it. Change your patterns. Change your routine. Change your crowd. But live a clean life. Lord. 